Hello and welcome to this episode of the Resonate podcast as we continue our theme exploring refugees and people who seek asylum. Today we are travelling to Sweden to hear about friendship, shoehorns, imperfect memories and how to move countries successfully. Welcome to this episode of the Resonate podcast. I've got some special guests here all the way from Sweden, which is very exciting. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves so you can talk over each other and decide who's going to go first. I'm Lucy McGrath. I've been here before on this podcast. Emily's regular guest star. I moved to Sweden eight and a half years ago and live in Malmö. And my name is Lubna Abbas. I've never been on this podcast or any other podcast. <laughs> I uh, I moved to Sweden for six years ago, and um, I currently live in Helsingborg. So, how did the two of you meet? How did your destinies cross paths? A fika, which I guess you could equate to a coffee morning, if you don't know what a fika is, but in the afternoon, it's like a lot of cake. It's all day long. It's not just in the afternoon. That's true. I was thinking of the specific one that we went to. Well, that might have been all day, actually. (laughs) There was definitely cake and coffee and tea. Yeah, and it was arranged by a Facebook group called International Women in Helsingborg. So it was when Lucy was still living in Helsingborg. I think, weren't you there with your mum? And I was there with Casey, who was my old roommate. And Casey was talking to your mum, actually. I think for ages and then we both like went over there to see what was going on and then we met and then we talked about sushi yeah you invited us for sushi but we didn't eat sushi no we didn't (laughs) I don't know what we did so a strong beginning based on not eating sushi or eating sushi but how did you both come to be in Sweden in the first place yeah I moved here because I was an au pair I did half of an exchange when I was 17 I didn't do my half, but my friend came to stay with me. And then we've stayed friends since then. And then I was quitting my job and she said, oh, you're going to quit your job. Why don't you just do nothing in Sweden instead? So I became an au pair. And that was pretty easy. I just booked flight and just came here. And then I never left. I started my master's degree and then I got an internship and then I got a job and it's eight and a half years later. You fall in love with Sweden. Fall in love with Sweden, exactly. Well, for my part, I moved to Sweden because of the war in Syria. I'm originally a Palestinian who was born in Syria. So the, the war started and we emigrated to Sweden by crossing many, many, many countries. What was it like when you both arrived in Sweden for the first time? I thought Helsingborg was really dead. Like there was no people there is what it felt like. Because... I hadn't lived in London straight before, but I had lived in London. And obviously the population in London is the same as the population in the whole of Sweden. Then I came to this big city, inverted commas. There was like no people there. I don't know. It was, I I had some friends here, obviously. And then I was an au pair. So I made friends quite quickly with all the au pair girls who were in a sort of network for all learned Swedish together. I guess it was quite different, but it's subtly different. Subtly different, like take your shoes off when you go in the house the very small things that were different but now I feel like I've integrated those into my life so it's hard to remember what they were when I first arrived to Sweden I I arrived at night and I went straight 
to the apartment my mom used to stay in, my mom and my sister, because my mom and sister arrived first, and then I, I came, and then my father and my brother joined us like seven months later. And so when I first came, I was like, I didn't see anything. It was dark. And the day after, I didn't want to go out. I was like, no, no. And I, and I remember staying at home for like a month. I, I did not go out. And my mom was like, come on. It, it was in May. And everybody was like telling me, my mom and her friends and everybody were like, well, winter is coming. Winter is coming. You have to go out. It's summer now. And I was like, nope. Nope, <laughs> I just want to stay here. I really wanted like a time staying in one place, I think, because we moved around so much during the wars. So I just was like, no, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, but then, uh, then I started going out and I got hugged by a couple of guys, which is not a, at all very usual in my country. <laughs> And I remember me and my sister, we were once, we were gonna meet like some friends, first friends. And they had a guy with them who hugged both of us. And we both froze for like maybe five straight minutes afterwards. But how did you come into actual Sweden? Which country did you come from? The last country you came in through? Did you come to Denmark? Uh, no, I went from Greece to Sweden. Did you go directly or did you come? I came directly. Okay. But then I took, well, I, I took the, tr- I took the uh, plane and then I took two trains. But the, because we talked to a smuggler and the smuggler who looked at the, all of the things, all the, you know, <laughs> he said it was uh, Sweden. And then I, th- I think be- because I took the train for like six hours or more, so I think it was up in the north, maybe Stockholm or, or somewhere there. Oh, you came down that way? Yes. From the top? Ah, okay. But it was Greece. We, we were first in Lebanon and then we went to Syria. And then from Syria, we went to Turkey and then to, well, the other side of Turkey because it, Turkey is very long. Uh, and then to Greece. Because I just took a plane from London to... <laughs> Copenhagen oh, and then the family <laughs> the family that I stayed with were just at Copenhagen with a little sign uh, oh. <laughs> I, just, I just got in the car and then they just <laughs> drove me home so that's luxury it feels the same you know yeah just... yeah. yeah I crawled down you know and I got stuck by a wire and yeah it's the same <laughs> similar anyway I guess we both came to Sweden. Yeah, then... that's the same part. That's the common denominator. <laughs> okay, so you've both arrived in Sweden. You've talked a little bit about what it was like. What were those first few months like getting used to living in a different place? Well, I mean, I think some of it like recycling. Everyone recycles everything. That is a big no-no to just throw stuff away. Yeah, take your shoes off when you come in the house. I remember being really, really shocked because the boy in the family was getting a new bed. So I was at home to let the delivery guys in and the delivery guys walked into the house and took their shoes off and then took the bed upstairs and I absolutely was astounded by that for months I remember telling people for months <laughs> because that would not happen in England shoe horns that was also we don't really have those in England and now people joke I just don't know how to put a pair of shoes on without one <laughs> I'd rather look for two minutes for a shoe horn than try and pull the shoe on 
I think it was I think for me it was just small things like that and like in the winter people just don't go out so there's suddenly sort of no one there I used to go running all year round so in the winter it'd be really dark and there'd be no one and in the summer you were suddenly ended up in like queues of runners because the whole of Sweden disappeared and you always felt a bit like well you don't deserve to be here because I was here all winter. Speaking of winter I think the most shocking thing about Sweden was the weather because I did come in May and I stayed like the first few months were summer in Sweden but if you've ever been here you would know that you know the weather here changed a lot you don't know what to take should I take with me a jacket or should I leave it at home can I have a you know skirt or a or a dress and then you would be on the beach and it's very very sunny and the next thing you know it's raining now I know exactly what to do with (laughs) (laughs) I know which clothes to wear and when exactly when we first met you wore a hijab yes and we and then you didn't and then you did and then we talked about that at the time because I remember that Katie and I came around to your house and we've been like why do they all have like all the blinds down all the time and then we realized it's because you came in and then you took your hijab off and then people will walk past the walkway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you came to our house for the first time, <laughs> we had this sudden like panic. Could people see into our flat? So you like ran around the flat and we're like, oh, this one, mm, put it down and then we open the door. And then you're like, oh, no, we don't wear a hijab anymore. <laughs> Oh, that's so nice but, of you. I didn't know that. But, but then you said to us that, like, something about when you moved here, what, like in Syria, you didn't even think about it because everyone was wearing one. You don't even notice. And then you no. moved here and people weren't. But every single day, people asked you about it the whole time. Oh, yeah. Um, like, good things, bad things, but just noticed it all the time. Yes, absolutely. I think hijab is a very, you know... Um, controversial and a very attractive uh, subject to talk about so people I think even people who actually knows what the hijab is where is the headscarf is and why you wear it they would ask you about it just because they want to talk about it (laughs) they would be like oh what is this you know like they don't know (laughs) and see we didn't want to ask you which is why we stood there in our apartment like ah we can see those people in their kitchen. Can they see in here? Are they going to go in the kitchen? So we just shut the doors instead. Can people sit on our balcony? Oh. Yeah. We didn't need to worry. We sh- we, one, we could have just asked you. Well, now I have it again. So if I ever come to your apartment, you should think about. Uh, well, on my apartment, there's just uh, like a parking garage out opposite. Oh, I don't okay. think people can see it, but I do have curtains. So, okay. You know, you know what? I get this very, very weird question from people all over the place, wherever I am, they will ask if I shower with my headscarf on. I hope you say yes. Uh, no, I'm like very shocked. I, I never know what to answer. I'm do like, you say, do you shower with your hat on? Exactly, exactly. But okay. I think because people are like, well, they never take it off. They are, they have it even like indoors, even school, you know? But I, I don't know. I don't know if this is a stupid question, which I many times think it is. Maybe, maybe those who ask these questions have a very good reason to do. But please tell me why you do. <laughs> I, do I actually think people don't realise that, for example, if women are together inside, they're obviously going to take the hijab off because why would they have it on? 
So mm-hmm. I think that some people don't appreciate that. Like we had this group of women that we worked with and most of them had the hijab. And at the end of term, we had a party and they did exactly the same. They pulled all the curtains down in the classroom and um, then they took it off. Um, uh, and then one of the teachers was like, oh, they're all taking them off. That's very nice. <laughs> and one of them was like, yeah, because there's no men here and we're having a party. <laughs> but I think I think people don't know that unless they've talked to someone who wears a hijab. What was it like making friends? How did you guys become friends after your moment at the women's group? About- that was Lubna. Lubna said, do you like sushi? And me and Kate said, no. And she said, great. I'll add you in a group called Sushi. <laughs> <laughs> and we never got sushi. No. We didn't what did we do? sushi. We didn't. What did we do? Because the thing is, this is what I never have tasted sushi in my life. And then I came to Sweden and then I got to try all kind of food. So I tried sushi and I loved it. And then I met Katie, who comes from California. And because I loved sushi, I made a lot of research about sushi. And I, I knew that California is very famous for sushi, right? Uh. And she said that she has never tried sushi before. And I was like, no, you have to. It's the greatest thing on the earth. You have to try sushi. And so I invited you to my house, to oh. my apartment, to try sushi that I made. And you made sushi and she didn't eat any. She just moved it around her plate. Yes. And, and I, you and said, I... Katie, I see you're not eating that sushi. <laughs> oh, we did have sushi. But we but did create a, 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 a bike club. Yeah, um, we, did, we did a lot of stuff together. Mm. We did a lot of biking. We did a lot of eating. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. We watched a movie. Mimi, it was called Mamma Mia. Did we? At yeah, the cinema? Oh my God, I feel so hurt. Have I got a terrible memory? <laughs> you do, my friend. I know we came I, I, in. I, I came came in for like two hours did after. You? Yeah, Mamma Mia 1 or Mamma Mia 2? Mamma Mia 1. 2. I didn't I mean, remember I've seen that. That's funny. <laughs> you yeah. did. And we, you invited us to your house in Ramadan once and your mum cooked for us, or maybe you cooked for us. Was it when I invited you for like vegetarian food? No. Vegetarian Arabic food. Yeah? Yeah. Was it Correct. Ramadan then? Yeah. Okay, okay. But I do remember that you said to me, when we made friends at the Fika thing, then yeah. I think you put us in a group chat and you're like, now we're going to be friends. And you said... Because mm-hmm. it's hard making friends in Sweden because Swedish people just want to meet you like once and then they don't meet yeah. you again. Do you still think that's the same? Well, I think Swedish people are very, very nice and polite people. When you do have a context or when you do have or when they do have to meet you, they are the best. Uh, you can yeah. create some very beautiful friendships with them. But then once that stops, there's no further you know, relationship. I uh, went through this world with a lot of people. You meet them at work, and then when you stop working there, it's like silence, you know? And then you go to school, you start a school, you meet some more friends, you'll be like, well, these are very, you know, close friends to me. Because you meet them, you know, a lot during the, the weekdays, and you talk, and you laugh, and so on. And then you create <laughs> Facebook groups. But then it's, <laughs> silence uh after you you know finish the course or uh, the program or whatever Mm. so I think people and I did try 
oh, many times to keep in touch by, you know, me trying the whole time to, because I'm a very social person. I, I love, you know, creating friendships, going out, talking to people, meeting new people. It's like my passion. And so I tried a lot to, you know, talk to my old friends, create groups of friends and going out, but it, it, it requires a lot of energy. They will go out with you. They will meet you up, but you will have to be the one to always, you know, arrange this meeting and always, um, you know, starting uh, talking to them, write to them and so on. So they don't take the uh, initiative. Mm. Yeah, I think that's definitely also somewhat my experience that there has to be a reason for a Swedish person to want to be friends with you. Like you work together or it's your friend's friend or you study together. It's very hard. You don't just like meet people like, mm. oh, hi, nice to meet you. Now we're friends. No, doesn't exist. I, I know a lot of Swedish people. I'm friendly with a lot of Swedish people. I'm not a friend. And your friendship together, you've both come to a different country and then you grew up and then you seem to have bonded over sushi. Have you learned different things about each other, knowing that you come from different places? I just, I think I remember the really random stuff that Lumina tells me, like, um, oh, no, I can't remember it. Something about the sky being blue or not being blue or I don't remember anymore that's a bad example <laughs> Lumna once had a saying about the sky that was great but I don't remember it no it was in my my not my hometown it was in Lebanon and you're talking about my grandmother's house and all my cousins and uh, when we go out when we go up to the roof and look at the sky and the sky was very, very clear and just full of stars. I, I think we definitely had, we definitely had conversations about like, oh, uh, like in America, where our friends from like this and in the UK, it's like this. And then you maybe say in Syria or Lebanon, it's like this. But I can't remember what they would specifically be about. The only thing I remember, actually, this I do remember properly, was your mum talking about that you have to, you had to give blood in Syria when you were doing like... Uh... Yeah. What, graduating or taking a driving les- test or whatever it was yes yes, yes. like that everyone has to give blood and then people would like other people would do it for them yes yes that's true every time you want to do like a, a paper from the government then you have to go and give blood and take the certificate uh, to the uh, you know the, the government and show them that you have donated blood and it's it's a way to ensure that people always donate blood, and you know the the hospitals doesn't run off uh, or out of blood. And if you're like too scared or if you can't do it, then you can either find someone who can do it for you, or you can just apply for uh, like exemption. Yeah, and so they will, they will not force you to do it if mm. you can't physically. You have both been studying in Sweden. What is your experience like of being a student in Sweden? Absolutely amazing. <laughs> Comparing to Syria, I would say I feel so important here. <laughs> <laughs> so, like the, the teacher actually asks you what you think about the course. <laughs> and so you get to, to, you know, tell them, well, that was good, that was bad, I think. If you did this, it would be better. I had like a hard time with this book and what so on. 
And so you actually feel heard by the teachers and the, yeah, uh, like the pro the um, responsible for the program. And that I think is a very, very good thing about the Swedish school system. I didn't study in high school in Sweden. I did just study courses in, in uh, the SFE and the Swedish courses, but and right now I'm studying at the university and I absolutely love my program. I love the fact that you can study and, you know, get the B drug. What is the B drug? B drug in um, student loans, the loan, the grant, student grant. And you get a lot of student rabat. What is rabat? Discounts. <laughs> Discounts. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really love, I love studying in Sweden. It's so much fun. So much fun. I definitely did think it was fun and I met a lot of friends and stuff felt very unorganized compared to England because the grading system when I did it there was just three levels which was like pass good pass don't pass and when you ask the teachers okay what is the grading structure how do you get a good pass the literal answer that she gave was oh well it depends if I've had my morning coffee but it was free and it would have cost a lot of money to do it in the UK I had to send in my all of my grades. Sweden like verifies your grades, but all the UK grades they always um, accept. So they just give you an equivalent grade as if you'd done it at Swedish high school, um, and then your degree. So I just sent in those papers. They switched them into Swedish grade language, and then just applied for the course. It's a very easy system. The website. The difficulty was student housing. It's very hard to get. So I lived on my friend's floor for six weeks. And then I found a really gross room in a basement for a year. Otherwise, it's great. But I didn't get any student uh, grant because I was an EU citizen. You both studied Swedish as well? Yeah. Yes. Uh, did, you, did you study all the levels? No. I was at SFE. That is Swedish for immigrants. That is the standard one that is free that everyone has access to so I didn't do that in the beginning when I was an au pair then I did a course that the family paid for which was like the beginner's course and then I did SFE C and D and then I okay. started the next level I did the very beginning of Grundlegande, which is mm. what's that ninth grade Swedish and then I didn't do any more Swedish until I took the final exam I just okay. did the rest at um, work and the final exam was in that oh, I did it at the university yeah academic one that they do at the university but it's the equivalent of Swedish three so I just went into the exam relied on my colleagues to teach me Swedish impressive what did you do you did everything yeah I I studied the whole package Um, I started from B which is was a bit irritating because it was like you know A B C D they will teach you the alphabet and so on I was like okay okay (laughs) and then uh I studied all the levels to Swedish three, and it took me about two and a half years to do so while studying some other subject because this it was the same as Lucy. I had to send my my courses and my certificate from school from Syria to the Swedish here, the Swedish Institute, and they uh, gave me back what it corresponded to to which uh, courses it it res- uh, correspond in the Swedish system. And I had to complete by studying some other uh, courses in order to pick the teacher uh, program. 
So I had to study some other courses besides Swedish and I worked for two years <laughs> during that period. So what did you study? Was it English? It was English and it was uh, some hello kunskap. Uh, um, society. Society knowledge, as it's not called. Do you know what's really weird? That yeah. when you study that in Swedish, you learn about like Swedish political system and yeah. Swedish society, etc. Mm-hmm. etc. When I checked my transcript of what they given me, they gave me that like level two. I didn't study that in England. That's not a subject that we studied. I don't know where they got that from. Okay. So if I want to study in Swedish and that's the requirement, because that's really often the requirement, I can do it, even though I have absolutely never studied a subject that's anything like it. What have your experiences been like with Swedish government institutions? Personally, there's Skatteverke, which would be like HMRC, the tax office. I had to go and leave in my application to get a social security number there. And that took quite a while. And then for Säkringskassan, which is like the Department of Work and Pensions, I think, that do all the like welfare benefits go to them, state benefits go to them. There I had to convince them that I actually did have a job in Sweden because I didn't have access to any of the welfare states still. I'd forgotten to tell them for quite a long time until I needed something. I needed an e-hit card. So I asked them and they were like, oh, no, you're not entitled to one. So then I had to go through the whole thing, proving to them that I did work and pay tax. Therefore, I was allowed access to that system. And then the healthcare system... I didn't go to the doctor here or the dentist for about five years. <laughs> I just went when I was home in England. <laughs> but that was just, you just have access to that once you've got your social security number. But that's it. They're the ones I've had contact with personally. And then professionally, the Arbitsmerlian, which is the job centre, because I sit there now at my current job, even though I don't work for them. And Mirunsverket, which is the Immigration Institute. But that's not for Oh, no, well, obviously, yeah, because I applied for my citizenship, actually. So I did have contact with them. There I applied for my citizenship. The wait was like 36 months and I got mine back in 12 days. I just wrote Brexit on it and then it came back straight away. <laughs> it's unheard of. Well, I, I did have contact with the same list as Lucy. I can say that I had the same pleasant contact with them. <laughs> <laughs> not all of them of course uh i i loved skatteverket uh, even though they made us wait outside in the cold because when i came i came in 2016 there was a lot of people who came 2015 to sweden and it was like this crisis of people running around you know applying for social security numbers and the id and what so on and so they couldn't contain all of the people in the building and so they had to you know let people wait outside and they had this guard who would uh, let people in but uh, otherwise when you go inside they are very very polite and and, uh, nice people in Skatteverket as in as for Arvids for Meddling or you you did work in Arvids for Meddling I don't know if I if I I, I should say my opinion no I worked on (laughs) Because it's divided. That, that's the state one. I worked in the social services one, which is the municipality one. So oh, okay. So I can just it's not talk. much better, but that is <laughs> So you can just talk freely. Okay, good. Good to know. <laughs> well, I, uh, well, I don't know what they do exactly, to be honest. No I one heard, does. 
<laughs> well, me, myself, I had, I, I found my own job. I went and I applied for like a hundred announcements and then I got one of them and I started there. So they didn't really help. And they told me that I had this response, like handledare, mm. the one who was responsible for me or for my case. Like a caseworker. A caseworker that I never met, like mm. ever. Like she didn't, I, I don't know her. I never spoke to her. I never called her and she was my caseworker for two years. Like my father, he is a vaktmästare. Um, like a handyman. Thank you. Is that the translation, like the literal translation, is something completely different. So, <laughs> so I'm trying to fighting in my head to not say the like literal. <laughs> so he is a he is a handman, and he worked at a university in Syria. And so we we called Arbetsförmedling like a hundred times, and we asked them to find him a practice practice uh, like, like a work a, experience yes so he would just go without not not pay deal just go there learn some swedish meet people gain some experience about how is it to be to be working in sweden no help whatsoever whatsoever so they were like no you can go and find your own uh, practice and like a workplace and then we can just approve it and we were like if we could we would have we need help <laughs> that is absolutely what they do there mm. at the job center it's definitely if you go out and do something and then need our like support to approve it or the insurance or whatever else then we'll do it yeah yeah but they yeah they don't they really don't provide do. much yeah. and then there was this like wave when they um wanted to find jobs for people and they would just find random jobs to people that has nothing to do with the job like my friend who studies economy, she worked with economy for like a few years. She got a job with children, like really small children who goes to the, uh, I'm not going to ask Lucy for help. I'm going to try and figure out for myself. First school. <laughs> <laughs> and you did figure out in Swedish. Preschool. <laughs> exactly yes. the same. She, she worked with, you know, children who goes to preschool. And she didn't like working with children, but she had to. And, and if she says no, then they will, you know, punish her by not giving her money or what's what so on. Mm. And so that was that was like, well, there are people who likes working with children, so why not find people something that they do want to work with? They just find very, they find like very random jobs to people, and not based on their experience or their education or what so on. No, it's not very effective. Yeah. What about at Mirjumsverket when you like applied for, um, what's it called? I love them. They are really? the best people ever. <laughs> Lucy, I still have a permanent, no, not a permanent, a uh, the temporary. other thing. Temporary. temporary. <laughs> I don't have a permanent uh, residency so I'm not gonna talk about it <laughs> no no well I think that if uh, Swedish people or the Swedish government went to Migrationsverket and actually saw what they do there they would be very shocked they would be like mm, maybe this is not really a part of Sweden did you have to do one of those uh, interviews with them yes I did do you have to do it like, every time or just the first time no just the first time and there was like this 
very, very weird questions. And I'm like, no, yes. So did they ask you questions like I know they asked the kids that I work with, is there a like a big temple, I don't know, in your town? Or is there a river near your town? And then their lawyers were like, look, do not make anything up because they have people there that go and check what it looks like. Mm. If you lie, they will know immediately the best thing to say, they don't know. But obviously, if you if it's a really big, significant landmark and you say, I don't know, they will also say, well, you don't come from there, do you? Mm-hmm, true, true. Yeah, they did. Ask, but, but they only asked me to describe the uh, area. And the problem is, I am horrible at describing things, especially direction. Like you should ask my parents. I am the most, I'm the one not to ask if you want to go somewhere. <laughs> and because I only, you know, I will just point at the direction to the door because I always go out from the same door, you know, the same direction. I'm horrible at direction. And they asked me and I, I did describe it. And I was like, no, no, wait, wait. Uh, no, my school wasn't there, but it was, you know, in the other streets and so on. But I passed somewhere, somewhere around there. there. There was a school. Maybe it's your lack of directional knowledge and geographical knowledge that means you've only got temporary residency. <laughs> they put it on your file. What? I never thought about that. What have you found has been like the most helpful kind of things in moving to a different country? Yeah, I think finding a network. Like first I had the au pair network, then I had the women's group network and then maybe people from school. Now I have a netball team that I'm part of. And that makes a big difference to have like an actual group that you can belong to in some way. Yeah, I can agree. Uh, maybe to, to, to create a life, a social life uh, in Sweden. But if you want something to help you, um, build a life as in like uh, like in the workplace or or the education or so on the other practical aspects of of living in sweden or any other country then i would say the language like mm. like go straight day one go to the school and learn the language because i have like i cannot describe or or even give you the closest idea of how much the Swedish language helped me, you know, getting a job and going to the program that I always wanted to study, which is um, the teacher program. So I think you can underestimate that aspect as well, because I know that I know a lot of other people who are international people. And I'm now one of those people that's, oh, but just go and get a job. And they say, yeah, but that's easy for you to say because you speak Swedish oh that's true that is a massive absolutely massive barrier and people say that it's not a problem in Sweden because you can get by without speaking Swedish but it's much more difficult and you can get stuck in some kind of job or career that isn't the path you wanted just because you don't speak the language like you can't you can't work on the checkout of a supermarket without speaking Swedish but you could work in the warehouse of a supermarket without speaking Swedish so it just depends but then if you don't want to be working in a warehouse you know then you need to learn Swedish if you don't speak Swedish or English you definitely have to learn one or the other Hmm. but I think you'd have an easier time learning Swedish if you don't speak English 
Right now, I'm I'm working as a um, SFE teacher. Which level of Swedish? A, B, C. Oh, I'm I'm studying studiedirektre as like uh, people who are done with higher education. They finished uh, university level, uh, bachelor levels, and now yeah. they're studying or working in Sweden, and they want to learn Swedish. So they are beginners, but they start in a very advanced course because. For them it goes much uh do they faster. are they the ones that start on the sea level yes yeah that's what i did yeah oh so my students are like you <laughs> what is it <laughs> i want to call it study road three but because <laughs> that's how you can translate it but like the third it's the it's the fast track were there any limits you know when you came to sweden one of the things that there's a big campaign for in the UK is about lifting the ban on work because in the UK you can't work at all and then the allowance is very low to live on so it makes it a real challenge for people to live were there any kind of challenges like that or restrictions that you had to kind of navigate when you arrived just reading hmm. they banned working with work they you so, don't have um when you come to the it's the same as in Sweden you don't have arbetstillstånd in the beginning oh oh but I did have did uh, you get it straight from yeah, the beginning I, when you applied yes. even before you got your decision how like when you still had an LMR court no I didn't but I didn't wait that long uh, I waited so, for like a few more maybe five or seven six months before I yeah. got my residency or like the approval and so I got the permission yes. to work directly. Um, Sometimes in the UK you can wait for three, five, ten years well, to get that. Yeah, and that is the same in Sweden. It just depends where you come from. Yeah. Like My- I don't I don't know what you think. When we work when I work with refugees, we everyone used to call Syrians the good refugees because if you compared it, if you compared the, the like um, waiting time with the Afghanistanis or the Iranians like you would arrive you wait five months you get your residency and the Afghanistani boys waited sometimes three years and so some of them then they got this fake made up temporary one because they had waited so long they broke the EU laws so that was 2015 and now in 2022 and some of those people have never got a real like resolution on their case and they came around the same time that you did mm, yeah no I, I completely agree I oh, very very spoiled immigrants <laughs> I would I would say that me being a Palestinian means like that I get even more advantage than the than the Syrian refugees because Palestinians like Palestinians who was born in another country than Palestine they are considered stateless as they don't belong anywhere and so they cannot send me anywhere because I don't belong anywhere <laughs> and even if they would they give me like a temporary residency they will give it to me for like three years and not one year as for the Syrian refugees so uh, and I had I had a, I had a lot of friends that I know from who came from Afghanistan and they have you know they told us what happened with them and uh, how's it going with the paper and so on and I would say that the most group of of immigrants who suffers the most are um uh, the you know the young people who come from uh, Afghanistan mm. do you both plan to stay living in Sweden 
Well, that's my plan for the moment. I don't know what will happen later on, but for now, yeah, I think so. Me too. Same here. I, you know, I'm, I learned the language. <laughs> oh, that's exactly what I say. I've learned this language. I can't speak it anywhere else. I might as well stay. <laughs> and I never thought I would, you know, when I first hear Swedish, I was like, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 not me. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I learned the language I studied at the university and I'm going to be a teacher and I'm learning the school system in Sweden. So it will be very hard for me to change countries. Can you give me one thing that you love the most about Sweden and one thing that you miss the most about your country of origin? I say something really, really, really boring. I think the working rights in Sweden are much better than in England and like the unions and all that boring stuff. And the welfare state is very convenient. Like it feels very secure when you're at work. And you miss Monster Munch. And I miss, no, Emily, salt and vinegar crisps and spaghetti hoops. Well, I, I agree with Lucy there, but I would say the most thing I love about Sweden is the feeling of safety like it, it's very weird I traveled to Denmark I'm like I, I sit there I'm like because my my aunt lives in Denmark I'm like I, I have to go back I have to go back now I, I have to go back and when I see the uh, the uh, you know grants police and the, police, um, the border, border police, police. <laughs> yes baby I know it <laughs> Yeah, and so when I see them, the Swedish border police, I, I, you know, my eye just fills with joy, I would say. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I love Sweden. I, I feel safe in Sweden. So this is the most uh, thing that I would say I love about it. Uh, I miss the people in Syria, but the only problem is that there are not enough, like a lot of people left in Syria. So... Even if we would go back, uh, you know, all my cousins and my friends, I don't have any contacts with my friends from school, but my cousins, they are all over the uh, globe. So someone in Lebanon, other Arab countries and Europe. So, but people I would miss the most about Syria. Thank you so much, Lucy and Luna, for letting us peek into your friendship. And I um, I actually do have a piece, one piece of trivia before the time runs out. Yeah. I Lubna lives yeah. in the my old workplace. You still live there, right? Yes, like, I do. You are sitting. Your bedroom is my old office. Oh. <laughs> I used to work in. Do you like, want to totally see it? Random. Yeah. <laughs> No, we don't really have look what, look what I've done with it. Like what I have oh, done with it. It's so weird. That's where now we're looking at where my desk used to be. And over there, that was where all of our medicine and like purse like uh, staff cupboards were. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> it's your bedroom. Well, it, but but thank you so much <laughs> for giving up your time and uh, it's been great to talk with you both. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Let's meet. Yes. We should, we should. Yes, live. We'll talk about it in a Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's
podcast was produced and presented by me, Emily McGrath, with thanks to Lucy and Lugna Beamingham from Sweden and sharing their stories. It was brought to you by the Resonate Bristol team in association with St Stephen's and Holy Trinity Hotwells Churches. The music was created by Scott Holmes, accessed through the free music archive. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Resonate Bristol. Join us again next time.